Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. Check out nhte.net and be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. Besides that website, you can also find the show on iTunes, which is Apple Podcasts, as well as on Spotify and lots of other podcast platforms. There are links to Now Hear This Entertainment on at least a half dozen podcast apps at nhte.net. And in addition to what's listed there, the show is also on the likes of Overcast, Himalaya, Podcoin, Player FM, and more. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Austin, Texas, my guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar player who earlier this year signed a multi-year co-publishing deal with BMG Music. Last September, she released an acoustic EP of original songs, but she is also part of a trio whose debut EP was reviewed by Rolling Stone. Both she as a solo artist and her trio, which is called Nobody's Girl, were selected as an official performer for South by Southwest. She also was awarded a full scholarship by the Buddy Holly Educational Foundation. Being covered by a Grammy-nominated blues artist, Ruthie Foster, you've been hearing a song that my guest wrote called Working Woman. It's my pleasure to welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Grace Pettis. Hey, Bruce. Hey, everybody. Grace, thank you so much for doing this. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. Let's start off by having you first talk about the song that we were just playing called Working Woman. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I guess I I wrote it originally because I was uh, working with this guy named Greg, who was a friend of mine. He was kind of, it was like a brief period of time where he was trying to manage me. That didn't end up working out, but we stayed friends. But um, he, he asked me as a prompt to think about the song on country radio, because I listen to a lot of country radio. I like country. And he, he kind of prompted me to think about the song on country radio that I wish I was hearing, that I wasn't hearing. Oh. And um, I'm from the South. I'm from uh, Alabama and Georgia. And it just kind of occurs to me that there's all these great working man songs in you know the country tradition and the blues tradition, too. And we just don't have that many working woman songs. I mean, the only one that I can think of is nine to five, you know, um, that Dolly Parton song. So yeah, I guess that's I was, from many years ago by this time. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I was thinking, you know, it's high time for a song for the other 50% of the labor force. And, um, you know, also it's not just a song for women. It's, it's for, you know, all the, all the men that have wonderful, strong women in their lives, which is everybody, you know, if you've got a mom, if you've got a wife or a sister. So yeah, I just thought maybe that'd be nice if, um, if I heard that, but <laughs> it's kind of ironic cause I can't actually play my version of it on the radio cause it has cuss words in it. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, Ruthie Foster has a great version. That's, that's a clean radio edit. And, uh, she, she really did me a huge honor by covering it. So, um, I don't. I don't have to have my first one. <laughs> well, you mentioned in there about being from Alabama and Georgia, and obviously mm. everyone always points to 
Nashville, New York, and L.A. as the three biggest music markets, and then they start getting into the Austins and the New Orleans and the Las Vegases of the world. So when you're in Alabama, Georgia, that area, that part of the country, why do you choose to go to Austin, no disrespect, instead of to Nashville, <laughs> since you did just mention country, and you can kind of see you know, where my, where my train of thought is going there? Yeah, it's so funny that you asked me that question because, like, I've just uh, ever since I signed my pub deal, I've been getting just constant texts from like musician and songwriter friends going like, "When are you moving to Nashville? When are you moving?" Because it's <laughs> it's what you do, you know. And I've I've um I like Nashville, you know. Um, I kind of have like a love hate relationship with Nashville because it it makes you work for it, and it's a it's a hard town, but it can also be a really rewarding town, and there's you know, obviously a lot more opportunity there than a lot of other places for musicians. Um, but I, I just love Austin so much and it's, it's just, it feels like home every time I'm here. It just, it, it's, you know, it's something I'm struggling with. Um, I think somebody told me once and I thought this was good advice that like when most of my work is in another town, say Nashville or LA or New York, then like that's the time to move there is when I'm spending so much time there anyway. Um, and I haven't quite gotten to that tipping point yet, but I am going, you know, almost every month now. So it, you know, it, it's tough. I, um, I chose Austin originally because I fell in love with it when I was 18. Um, I went out there for a summer camp and it was just love at first visit. It was the first great love of my life. And, I, I really never wanted to live anywhere else. I lived other places. I did try Nashville for a year okay. in 2013. And I lived in the Shenandoah Valley for a while with my husband. And um, I just kept kind of going back to Nashville. I mean, back to um, Austin. And I, I don't know. It's just it feels like the, the city in the country that I feel the most at home and the most myself and where I feel like my music makes the most sense. Like it's a context that makes sense for me. So how long have you been there? When did you move to Austin? I moved to Austin the first time um, right after graduating high school. So that would have been in 2006. Um, there was like a <laughs> an interlude where I went and worked in Yellowstone National Park for the summer and then moved to Austin for college. Um and so I was there for four years, and that's where I sort of came up as a musician. I was doing open mics. I was selling CDs for people. I was mm. just going to shows and learning a lot. I made my first two records right outside Austin in Wimberley, Texas at Blue Rock Studio with Billy Crockett. Um, and I, I, the Kerrville Folk Festival, which is close to Austin, was also a big part of my development as a as a musician, as a writer. Okay. So, okay. It, you know, it's just kind of – it's this place that – it's it's where I spent my you know, quote unquote formative years I guess yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, and then I moved away, and I came back in twenty, let's see thirteen, was it so I think it's been like five years, okay okay yeah something like that fourteen maybe. Well, to those listening who know Grace, this might be considered old news, but since this show has gotten listeners from 147 countries around the world, there are people just being introduced to you for the first time. So where I'm going with this is congratulations on the co-publishing deal that I mentioned back in the intro. What is a co-publishing deal, <laughs> meaning different from just a publishing deal? And then also for the benefit of those who are listening that are up-and-coming performers longing to sign such, how did you get this deal with BMG Music? 
Cool. Yeah. Um, well, first off, I'll say that I'll give you like some general stuff, but I'll probably avoid saying too many of the specifics because it's sure, sure. It's, you know, it's it's private. Some of sure. those details. Um, but co-pub versus pub. So basically, when you write a song, you automatically own the copyright and the publishing. Probably a lot of your listeners know that. Um, if you choose to sell some of your publishing or all of your publishing, that's a publishing deal. Um, if you sell all of it, all of that pie, um, in exchange for, you know, the relationships that a publishing company has and the placements that they can get for you, um, then that's just, you know, a pub deal. That's, and sometimes people do that. Sometimes people license their catalog so they don't sell it at all. They just like agree to let the publishing company use it and make use of it and make money off of it for a certain period of time under certain conditions. And then the other kind of deal is a co-pub deal, which is where, you know, you either license or sell. It could be one or the other um, part of your cat of your um, publishing, part of your publishing. So okay. maybe that's fifty percent. Maybe it's seventy five percent. Maybe it's twenty five percent. All that kind of varies okay. depending on the situation and the writer. Um, and then the idea is, you know, it gives you want to give them a certain amount of incentive to place your songs and pitch your songs. So that if, you know, money's made, everybody makes money. Yeah, um, yeah. And so it's just this game of kind of like, well, how much of your publishing do you want to hang on to to feel like it's what you need to survive? And then how much do you need to, to, to give or to license in order to give them some kind of a stake in it? Yep, and yep. So, yeah. So it's just kind of this long process. My pub deal came about because I'm very fortunate in my friends and I have this incredible lawyer friend, Steve Easley, who's been just kind of a champion for me and a mentor. And I met him, I don't know, gosh, nine years ago now. It seems like it hasn't been that long, but <laughs> long time ago. And I started playing his informal party at South by Southwest. And I would just, you know, I'd show up every year. I'd do my hair, paint my nails, you know, and go play this, this little, um, informal party at his apartment complex. And, you know, some years it felt like a waste of time. Some years it just felt like, you know, you're just schmoozing for a couple hours with people who are all going to forget you by the next day. And, <laughs> you know, you follow up on the business cards and you, you know, call it a year and then go back to playing your gigs. But, you know, I got better over the years and the songs got better. And a lot of the people that were at the party sort of witnessed that and witnessed me showing up every year and getting better. And some of those people were folks from BMG. So ah, okay. when the opportunity came, so then the next thing that happened is that Ruthie Foster covered two of my songs on her record, which that, that, I mean, that was sort of the catalyst, I guess I would say. Okay. And, and it's, I think there were just people in the wings that believed in me and wanted to take a shot and wanted to give me a chance, but were just sort of waiting for an opening. And when the Ruthie thing happened, it gave me the cred that they needed to then put my name in the hat for things like the Buddy Holly um, spot Fantastic. Um, and things like that. And so, and then that allowed me a chance to prove that I could write with a bunch of different kinds of writers who do this for a living. And then when BMG saw that, that's when I was offered the deal. I love so, it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, so that's I think fantastic. it's, you know, it's, it's just this long game of yeah. making friends and showing up and just consistently like proving yourself and just making yourself available for those opportunities so that 
you know, in my case, the BMG songwriting retreat that Steve actually was the guy that put my name in and made that happen for me, got me over there to England. Um, in my case, when that came up, there was, there was a BMG writer that couldn't make the retreat that got sick or something like that. And so like mm. a spot opened up Wow, wow! and the timing was just perfect. And he goes, well, you know, why don't we support, you know, an up and coming Texas songwriter? And here's, she's just had two songs covered by Ruthie Foster. And mm. so it was just, Wonderful. it was all kind of the right Wonderful. timing and the right, you know, yeah. and, and so it just, you know, it's, you, you make these connections and, I mean, just, just for a little bit of like a reference point, like the first time I played that party, I was introduced to Steve by, um, a record company that I didn't end up signing with. So Mm. I came to that party by way of a deal that didn't happen. Amazing. Amazing. And, and that was heartbreaking at the time. And, and, you know, as a 21 year old or whatever, and then just kept, kept going to the party. So you just never know, like the seeds that you're planting and the relationships that you're cultivating and the friendships that you have, like those are the things that are going to support you in years to come. If you kind of give yourself a proven track record. Yeah. And listeners, you've heard me say a lot about my four P's approach, which is patient, polite, professional, but persistent. And there's a classic case of it right there. Grace, I want to continue to build the foundation a bit more here so that the listeners have a frame of reference. For example, in the intro, I mentioned that you perform as a solo artist, yet the Mm -hmm. EP that I mentioned that you released last September included a guitar player, even though you yourself Mm -hmm. play guitar. And in addition, we've got some photos of you with the Grace Pettis Band, which is four members. (laughs) And then I also Mm -hmm. mentioned the trio that you perform in called Nobody's Girl. So... Music seemingly is a full-time thing for you, but how do you know when to work on which? Meaning, do you need to make sure you're putting a certain amount of time into the Grace Pettis Band and a certain amount of time into Nobody's Girl and then a separate time allotment into solo Grace Pettis? Like, How do you manage all those to ensure that each is getting the proper time while maintaining your sanity? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a tough question. I will say that... I have a Google calendar. <laughs> I share it with uh, Rebecca and Betty Sue and, you know, I share it with the guys when I need to, I share it with my manager, Fabian and, um, and all of their managers and, and our booking agent. And just, so there's, there's a calendar and that really helps. And it's just a lot of organizational crutches like that, that kind of help us, um, make sure that we're not stepping on any toes. It definitely gets complicated um, Rebecca has a solo career, um, with blue corn music. She's got a record deal there. Betty Sue has a solo career a long, you know, amazing solo career. And then also plays in bands like the Fayettes and goes on tour with Michael Fercasso and Bonnie Whitmore. So, you know, there's just a lot And Callaway, my lead guitar player, who's also my co-writer and collaborator of many years. Um, he plays with Ruby Dice. He plays in a number of other bands. My, the other guys in my band, play all over town, play with a bunch of different people. So, you know, we all have a lot of balls that we're juggling, I guess. And we all have a lot of different projects that we're giving energy to. So I think it's just about prioritizing and organizing your time, which for me just involves a lot of crutches because I'm I'm not good at it naturally. And it's a thing I have to really stay on top of, Mm -hmm. I guess, is the only way. (laughs) So it's not easy. Out of all those, just to highlight Nobody's Girl for a minute, you started to go there, but formally... 
tell the listeners who the other two members of that trio are, and then also how did that group come to be in the first place? Yeah, so that's uh, Rebecca Lobey, Betty Sue, and myself, and uh, it came to be in this really cool sort of magical way, which is, you know, we, we all three are friends of maybe 10 years, you know, not we I wouldn't say we were like best friends, but we were really pretty good friends. And part of this sort of social circle in Austin of songwriters, we met at Kerrville. And, you know, periodically, our paths would cross, we'd play gigs together, here and there, you know, but always like in the round or something like that, or like on the same lineup at a festival. Um, but we all like lived like 10 minutes from each other in, in South Austin. And Rebecca has this like incredible business strategy acumen. And she was like, let's go on a package tour and, you know, we'll market ourselves in a specific way and like we'll get people to come out and let's just do it like one time. We'll be in the round. The original idea was that the three of us are all from the South. So we thought we'd, we'd call it the Sirens of South Austin tour. And we would um, just, you know, do a lot of Southern writers that we liked and a lot of women writers that we liked. And so we put out this little this little video to support this one tour that we were trying to book. And it was a cover of Tracy Chapman's fast car. And it just kind of went like mini viral within our, our little folky circle on Facebook Mm -hmm. in a cut in like, you know, a day or two. And so we thought, Hmm, you know, maybe, maybe we're onto something. And literally like the day that we made that little video, it was the first time we'd ever played that song together. So we just sort of threw it together. Um, you know, kind of shamelessly just as a way to like sell a few more tickets one time. (laughs) And, and then it just became this thing that like when we started singing together and playing together, it was just really easy and our voices worked together and we were like, huh, well this was easy and fun and we already like each other. You know, we've already been friends for so long. So like, why don't we, why don't we see if we can maybe write something? So, Mm. so then we had decided we were going to put some time on the calendar to try to write a song. And we thought maybe one song, and, you know, we'll sell it at the merch table. It'll be like this fun novelty thing. Uh-huh. Um, and I had a connection with a studio and a label out in Fisher, Texas. Um, so called Lucky Hound Records. And the studio is Firefly. It's part of the Fisher Studios out there. And they had, you know, I was sort of talking to them and they, they said, why don't you come out and do your retreat, you know, at our beautiful multi-million dollar studio? And I said, sure. <laughs> so... <laughs> So we went out there and we um, we camped out and we we ended up writing like three songs, three or four songs in in like a day and a half, you know, and it just it just was easy and fun. And and that was those were the first three songs on our EP. And and then the owners of the studio and the label happened to be there the next day. They aren't always there. It's kind of they're there sometimes and they happen to be there. And so like the next morning, we just played them all these songs we'd written with the three-part harmony and it was pretty immediate they just you know a few days later they offered us a record deal and we went in the studio a few weeks after that and like recorded these songs that we'd just written and then we went on this tour not as three songwriters in the round but as a band yeah and so we had to like kind of reverse engineer this band and figure out okay what songs are on the set list like what are you what instruments are you gonna play like what am i gonna play and what are the harmony part all the arrangements like we had to work all that out and just really on the road. I mean, we, we workshopped a lot of it as we went that first year. And so it was a little bit rough kind of like getting started, but it's been over a year now that we've been touring together and and we've kind of turned into this like well-oiled machine and it just keeps getting better. It keeps getting more fun. 
Well, and what I like about the story is that you talked about how you did start off, quote unquote, locally or or even regionally, because what my fear is, is that someone's going to hear this and say, you know, I should do that because whenever I go to such and such songwriters festival every year, I always see so and so and I always see so and so and the three of us get along and sometimes we'll play together. But, you know, what I fear is that those people are, you know, one's based in Atlanta, one's based in Orlando, one's based in uh, San Antonio, I'm making these up. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, hold on a second, because just because it sounds fun and all of a sudden you're in the heat of the moment at a songwriters festival where the, the blood is flowing, you got to really mm-hmm. think these things through. And and that's what the three of you did. And now you're saying like, even still, good things are coming, but it's still a lot of work. So listeners just take this all in and put it through the blender and don't just do a knee jerk reaction and say, well, I think I'm going to do the same thing because you know, Grace is testifying that it does take a lot. And you heard her talk about the other initiatives that she's going with herself as a solo artist with the band, that type of thing. By the way, this episode is being released two days after a guest blog went up on the website talking all about the importance of video and how it can Mm. both make and break your image. When you go to nhte.net and look that up in the blog section, Remember that when it talks about having pro audio for your videos, that you can get that type of equipment from Tascam. That's what I've done. Specifically, when I do speaking engagements, I use the Tascam DR10L. It's a linear PCM recorder with lavalier microphone that results in great sound for videos like the one that you'll see on my speakerbrucew.com website. Check out the full line of recording solutions at Tascam.com. That's T-A-S-C-A-M dot com. Lots of guests on Now Hear This Entertainment talk about all the gear that they've used from Tascam over the years. The company has been around for more than 40 years now. Grace, I want to share with the listeners that you and I were introduced to each other by guitarist David Fader, who was the guest back on episode 107 of Now Hear This Entertainment. But last week on the show, singer-songwriter Frankie Ray told a great story about making lemonade out of lemons in the form of a Facebook Live that she did from a gig she was playing where there was nobody there other than the bartender and the great result that came from that stream that she did. You have a cool story about when you first connected with David Fader. So I I had this uh, great gig at a really cool studio and and in Gainesville and I, I was really excited about it but it was my first show in Gainesville and I just could not get people to come out. I promoted it real hard. I spent money on a publicist and like I paid stuff on Facebook and I, I just worked my butt off to get people to come out but it just was one of those things for whatever reason and we just had a really small kind of embarrassing turnout and it was a live video so toward the end of the uh, the um, the thing I was trying to just get anybody in there, any bodies in, in the room. And I actually met David and Susie in the parking lot before that hmm. gig um, outside of their van with their son. <laughs> and we just sort of started talking. He saw the guitar and he's like, I play guitar. And we talked about guitars. And and then I was like, well, I, you know, I have this show and probably no one's going to come. And if you want to come, like, I'll put you on the guest or whatever. I don't even know what I said. And, and they... And and they said, sure, yeah, we'll, we'll try to make it. And I thought to myself, yeah, they're not going to come. And then all three of them came, and they loved the show, and we got to talking. And then after the show, um, David said, well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna hook you up with a great gig in Isla Morada in in the Florida Keys. 
And I said, cool, cool. And I thought to myself, that's not going to happen. You know, like just people, <laughs> people promise you things and they mean well, but then they don't follow through. And so I just kind of assumed this was one of those things. And then, you know, sure enough, I get this email and he set me up with this amazing, great paying gig in the Florida Keys. Mm. And I go down there with my husband and we, you know, I play this gig. We have a little vacation and I get to know the two of them a lot better. And they've just become really good friends. And he's this incredible guitar player. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess it just the lemonade out of lemons thing. Like, you just never know. It might be three people in the audience, but one of them might become a really good friend and one of those people you know so you just you don't know yeah. um you don't yeah. know who's there and you always got to play a good show even absolutely. if it's just two or three people absolutely and, and then of course it led you and i to get introduced to one another and now here we are doing this okay now it's time for bruce's bonus this is a segment here on now hear this entertainment where i take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This Incorporated, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there trying hard to make a go of it. Today's bonus is, have some humility, people. Why are some of you using the word official in your Instagram username? At official John Doe. At official Jane Doe. I saw someone recently who had official, and then their first and last name, and he only had 800 and some followers. If it's a major celebrity, I get it. Any other accounts that look like them are fake. But in your case, if it's because someone already took the username that combined your first and last name, just add the word music or something. Official makes it look like you think you're somebody who, I get it, maybe you aspire to be, but aren't right now. So keep the ego in check and go with something straightforward. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. That's really great to know, isn't it? Very helpful, right? Bruce gives out a tip just like that on every episode of this show, and there's an easy way to get all those that he gave out over the first 160 episodes. The ebook series called Bruce's Bonus Book contains four volumes, and they're all available for purchase and immediate download at www.brucesbonusbook.com. Order yours now for helpful tips that you can apply to your career right away. Speaking of live performances, let's get into a few specific events here. You are an ambassador for the Kerrville Folk Festival, which unfortunately we really don't talk about enough. <laughs> well, I, I'm not an ambassador, but I, I said I would be happy to be one. Uh, in other okay. words, like I'm happy to promote them in any shameless way because I well, love them so yeah, much. Yeah, <laughs> go, go ahead and talk about that event a bit because as I was saying, we unfortunately don't really talk enough about it on this show. So for those that don't know anything about it or know very little, just talk a little bit more about what exactly it is. So Kerrville Folk Festival is this folk festival that's been going on for, I think, over 40 years now. And it's it's outside of Austin, Texas. It goes on for like 28 days. It's in the hill country mm. in this really beautiful spot. And people just descend on this tiny Texas town every year. It's like thousands of people. They set up these sort of shantytown campsites. And they all have names. And a lot of them have been there for decades in the same spot. Um and it's just this this gathering of like hippies and songwriters and people with guitars. And every year you get like, you know, the incredible songwriters that like do it for a living. And like this is their vacation. This is their summer camp. 
And then you get songwriters who, you know, maybe they have another job. Maybe they're a lawyer and this is like they write songs for fun, but they're actually really good. And they've got a couple that they've written and they claim around the campfire. Um, and they have these great main stage performances. And then after the performance, they had Richard Thompson this year. Um, and then after main stage is over, you know, you go and you hang out at these campfires and you just meet people and, you know, you meet all these incredible songwriters. And the, the really, really cool part about Kerrville is this songwriting competition, which normally competitions sort of suck because it's you're just being judged by your peers and it's not fun. But Kerrville is this great, um, I don't know, it's, it's this kind of space of like camaraderie. And some people get that and some people don't. Some people leave kind of still thinking it's really competitive and like disappointed if they don't win and stuff. But the point isn't really winning. The point is getting into this contest and then getting to hang out at Kerrville with like 30 of your peers who are incredible songwriters who are going to be, you know, your, your friends for the next couple decades and your co-writers and people that you trade gigs with and stay on their couches. And so that's, (laughs) that's like the real value of it. Um, that, and just kind of being around all these great songwriters, like you just soaks into your skin and like you always write something when you come home and you always write something when you're out there because you just it's just like percolating through, you know, all that music. So, yeah, highly recommended um, if you can get into the contest, do do that because then you get to hang out for free. But <laughs> even if you can't get into the contest, like I would still recommend just going just because it's fun and uh, try to find someone who knows, you know, the campsites and find a place to camp. And um, but it's. It's the greatest. It's I would recommend it for anybody, like all ages. Well, here's the part I'm worried about, though. You said that it's 28 days long, and I fear that there's someone out there listening who's going to say, well, if they have that many opportunities to perform, I should not have a problem getting in to perform. So I'm going to submit myself. They need, they need 28 days worth of music. They should take me. Uh-huh. And I'm sure that's not the case. Well, I mean, they've got... It's so it's folk music, and a lot of the main stage performers are specifically like folk performers. But you know, there's a little bit of variety there, like bluegrass, maybe roots, sort of like. But you know, that's what they're looking for in, in terms of like the performers. But the songwriting contest is really open to any kind of songwriter. Okay. So okay, that that I think is a great kind of entry point if you're a songwriter. Um, but it is competitive. I mean, I entered a couple times in a row, a couple years in a row before I got in. Mm. Um, it's also just fun to go. You can volunteer, you know, you can be a volunteer. That's one way that a lot of people go for the first time, especially young people. Um, it's also just like, you know, you just go hang out for a weekend, just yeah. go for the first yeah. or last weekend and just try it out. See what you think. Okay. You know? Grace, continuing on with live events, I mentioned back in the intro, about both you as a solo artist and the Nobody's Girl Trio being selected as official performers for South by Southwest. We hear so, so much about South by Southwest. You talked a little bit about what came of it for you as far as what you described earlier, but how much benefit can one expect to get from performing at South by Southwest? Well, um, this was my first year having an official showcase. So it's sort of hard for me to speak to that because it's the first year I've actually had one. Um, but in years past, I've done a bunch of unofficial things and I've gotten a lot of benefit out of that. Like I said, my, um, my publishing deal came out of this party that I went and played every year. So I do think it's, you know, especially in Austin, which isn't Nashville, isn't New York, isn't LA, 
you know, it's like the one time a year that all those people are here in town. So I always try to make a point to like meet those people if I can. Although some years I just kind of get out of town because <laughs> like, when you're a local it's it's a little different because it's you know in years past especially like um i used to just kind of play bars and stuff and play a bunch of covers for three or four hours and that was like how i made my living and then south by represented this one time of year when i couldn't do that because other people were playing those bars and if i wanted to i could play for like 20 minutes for free but it just it, you know it just sort of so like back when i was when that was the way that I made most of my living, I would just kind of get out of town and book myself a little tour somewhere. Um, but now, now that I'm sort of like my time is spent, like better spent, you know, making those connections and doing those things. Yep. Um, I, I definitely see the value in it more than I did when I was a younger, <laughs> younger kid. Yeah, um, yeah. for sure. Well, also, event-wise, I mentioned back in the intro that the Buddy Holly Educational Foundation awarded you a full scholarship. Tell the listeners about the retreats, plural, that have come your way as a result of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So there's these great songwriting retreats that they sponsor, and um, BMG is also often an underwriter of some of these. There's one in England, in Glastonbury, um, called the Chris Difford songwriting retreat and that's the guy from squeeze super nice um and it's just this sort of like gathering of songwriters and you know every day you write with like two strangers and then at the end of the night there's a um i guess like an open mic sort of thing where you play what you've written that day Uh and it's just kind of a fun way for songwriters to like show off a little for each other you know <laughs> and uh and it's sort of encourage it's it, i think it's great because it keeps us all like wanting to impress each other and and it's fun you know yeah. um but you're just playing for other songwriters so it doesn't have to be crazy polished and all that and um and so i, I made a point not to learn anybody's last names because i would have been too intimidated to write with anybody wow. and that served me well because I, I knew like i had to i had to hang out with them as people and not as like these songwriting gods. So I, um, I tried really hard not to learn anyone's last names or know why they were important until like the end of the week. And that's a great advice, by the way, I would like highly recommend that. Like do whatever you can to meet people as people. Um, but yeah. And so that was like this great experience for me. And then I did another one in Louisiana called solo fest and that was in Lafayette. And that was cool. And it was like this great mix of local Louisiana players and writers. And then like kind of these amazing songwriters like Mary Gaucher and, you know, Peter Case. And um, I mean, Ani DeFranco played a set. It was really cool. So and then the one I'm doing this year is in Lubbock, Texas, which is where Buddy Holly's from. And I think that lineup's still kind of to be announced. But it's it's just such an incredible thing. Indeed. Outstanding. Outstanding. I am joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment Guest Line from Austin, Texas by singer, songwriter, guitar player Grace Pettis. Visit her official website at gracepettis.com. And, of course, there will be a link to it from the show page for this episode at nhte.net. Once you are on her website, you will find links to Grace on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And, yes, there is an official YouTube channel as well. Her music is streaming on Spotify, but do support Grace by purchasing downloads of her music from iTunes. Next week, Tuesday, Grace will be performing in Jacksonville, Florida. 
two nights later, she will be in Tallahassee. Then on the 30th, she's back home for a performance in Austin before playing with her band in Dallas on the 4th of July. Look at gracepettis.com for a full list of live dates. Also check out nobodiesgirlmusic.com to learn more about the trio that Grace performs in. One week from today, that's Wednesday, June 26th, my online course begins teaching you how to start your own podcast, everything you need to go from concept to launch. Registration opened last week. It's only $18 to take the course, which will be one hour long, including Q&A, each day for eight consecutive days. Since it's online, that means you can do it from the comfort of home, regardless of where you live. So this is your chance to get your name out there. Learn how to podcast yourself. Take advantage of my more than five years in podcasting and all the conferences and meetups that I've spoken at around the country. Go to podcastingchallenge.com to sign up now and reserve your spot for June 26th. Grace, speaking of teaching, you have led a bunch of songwriting workshops. Just like me with podcasting, it sounds like wind you Mm -hmm. up and you'll get going on the creative process, song structure, word choice, chord choice, narrative phrasing, all that stuff. Yeah, no, I love doing them. It's one of my favorite things. I, it's kind of, I always feel like a little presumptuous cause I'm like, I, I don't have any hit songs or anything like that, but I know how to write songs cause I write a lot of them. Um, I know how to write them the way that I write them. And I love to like help other people figure out how to do that when they're just starting out. I think everybody has stories. Um, anyone can write songs. It's, it's the skill that I feel like we should all, we should all do. And it should just be this like special kind of, you know, skill set that's reserved for people that like make a living at it or something I think it's just it's like any other kind of art it's just good for the soul and um I just you know I love helping people get there and do that um yeah well last week on the show singer-songwriter Frankie Ray talked about wanting to write more songs about causes and or statements about current events and she and I talked about how on episode 268 Shane from Arbor Season had also said that they are through with trying to write for radio and get famous, that they just want to tell stories and write what they feel and what they would want to listen to. Similarly, Grace, you feel that people need to give up on trying to make other people happy, but at the same time, never give up on making art. Yeah, I I do. I think it's, yeah, it's interesting to the political side of that I think we're in such an interesting political time and it's sort of hard to justify like sitting down in the morning and writing my little love songs when I see stuff like kids in cages on tv and I just you know I do think that there's we're in a different time right now and I do I do think we have a responsibility to speak out and I want to try to do that any way I can right now the only way that I feel like I can do it well is like posting on Facebook and Twitter. I haven't been able to successfully write a lot of political songs that I like, you know? Um, so it's, it's an art maybe I'm leaving for other people, but I do want to use my voice if I can. Um, in terms of just making art, um, I think anything that keeps you from creating stuff is bad. So if what that is, is like this thought that other people want a certain kind of song or a certain kind of thing and that, what you do is not that thing. Um, then you need to turn that voice off. Like if that's the voice that's keeping you from getting up and just like putting a pen to a page, like then that is the enemy. Um, 
because the thing that keeps you healthy and sane as a musician is making music and all of the musicians listening, I'm, I'm sure would agree with me on that. It's just, um, so for me, I, I think I learned, I spent a lot of time like trying to be certain things so that I could get a deal or get a, get the thing or whatever. Yep. And what I've learned is that, you know, those times when I've sort of not done that when I've just written something that felt true for me or felt like something that I wanted to say in the world, either to other people or maybe to myself. Um, that those were the moments when, when I actually wrote something that I, that I loved and that other people love. And so I, I don't know. I just, I think it's just been this interesting process when I was like 29 and turning 30, I sort of decided that like, you know, any of these kind of industry type people that wanted like the young girl in the Daisy Dukes or whatever is like that, that time for me was over. Like I couldn't <laughs> be that thing anymore. It wasn't going to be that next country pop star. And so in a way that was really freeing mm. because it, I, I just got to kind of say the stuff I've been, I'd been sort of holding back on saying because I'd been trying to be political or trying yeah. to be, you know, um, what's the word? Like try to like appeal to the most people or something like that. Yeah. And uh, working woman was one of those songs. So just, you know, the songs I've had the most success with have been the ones that when I sort of stopped giving a, you know what, yep, about. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, nice. yeah, I guess I would recommend that. I don't know if it's like a smart career path, but it, <laughs> it definitely keeps me like writing music and it keeps me sane. So I think it's good. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Listeners, I'm always referring to up and coming singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, entertainers. Are you one of those? If so, where are you at in your career? Specifically, do you play guitar? If so, I not only want to tell you about Boulder Creek Guitars, who, by the way, also make basses and ukuleles, but I want to tell those that are at the level of their career that if you're wanting to talk about having a guitar custom built for you, Boulder Creek can make that happen. Write to me at podcast at nhte.net, and I will personally connect you with their CEO, Jeff Stramitz, who, by the way, was on episode 241 of this show. Country star Lee Bryce plays a Boulder Creek guitar, as does Larry Gatlin, players from Fleetwood Mac and Three Doors Down, and a whole lot more. Check out the full artist roster and learn more at bouldercreekguitars.com. That's B-O-U-L-D-E-R, bouldercreekguitars.com. I play a Boulder Creek guitar, and I love it. Grace, we are about out of time, but I did want to ask, as you and I were connecting towards setting this up, you were in Nashville. Were mm -hmm. you writing there, recording there, performing some combination of thereof? What, what, what was the deal this time? Yeah, so I was there for like a day or two before I went on tour with Nobody's Girl up in the Northeast for a little mini tour. Um, and I did, I opened up for David Ramirez at the High Watt. And that was super cool. Um and then I, I went on this tour with Nobody's Girl, came back a few days later and was there for another couple of days. And I just was writing and sort of meeting up with friends. Um, so, yeah, it's it's a place I, I get to pretty much every month now or every other month at the least. And I always find something to do. Literally every time I'm there, you know, there's a meeting to take. There's a song to write with somebody. There's a demo to make. There's a, there's connections to be had there. So it's just it's just good for me to be there. Really. <laughs> 
And I want to tell the listeners who are thinking, well, it sounds nice, but I don't have that kind of money to keep flying back and forth to Nashville all the time like it sounds that Grace does. If you don't mind me telling them, Grace, I will let you know, listeners, she drove there from Austin. So (laughs) not only does that show a sign of commitment, but she is being conscious of, okay, I can't fly there all the time, but I can get in my car and drive. And it's not a short drive, but as it's sounding like, Grace, you're doing this once a month, maybe? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, I, I will say like, I have a little bit of help from my deal, which is pretty, it's, it's just life changing. It meant that I, cause I used to drive for Uber and Lyft when I wasn't on tour wow. when I didn't have any shows. Yeah. Wow. Like on a Monday or whatever in Austin, I'd be driving for Uber and Lyft. So I took the stickers off my car <laughs> and it sort of supplemented that income, you know? And it's, so that's allowed me to do a little bit of traveling, but it's not, it's not crazy money or anything. And so it's like, I still have to budget and be careful. I try to book shows when I can to help pay for it. Um, but you know, since songwriting is now this thing that I'm pursuing as a career, which is new for me, um, it's something that I'm trying to take seriously and I'm trying to honor, you know, the trust that BMG's put in me by like working as hard as I can for them. And, writing as much as I can with as many great songwriters that are better than me as I can. Nice. Um, nice. And that means being in Nashville. So, yeah. Very good. Well, we're going to close today with a song of yours entitled, You Are the Cowboy. Before we let (laughs) you go, tell the listeners all about this song, please. Well, um, this record came out in 2012, and that's the last time I've had a studio record come out. Um, Hopefully there will be another one soon. I've had some great meetings about that that I can't talk about. Um, and but this song is one that I recorded at Blue Rock Studio in Wimberley, Texas, and it's sort of, I guess it's another feminist country song. Really, it's sort of thinking about the girls in those cowboy movies that are always like tied to railroad tracks and thrown against the wall and stuff, <laughs> and sort of, I don't know, and then using that as as a backdrop for a dysfunctional relationship. Hmm. Well, there you go. That that sets the scene well, and you're going to hear it in its entirety in just a minute here, listeners. I will not be talking over it, but first, Grace, let me thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate you talking to me for Now Hear This Entertainment. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. My pleasure. Listeners, that will do it for another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar player Grace Pettis. Do visit her official website, which is gracepettis.com. And then engage with her on social media. So that means like her Facebook page, follow her on Twitter and Instagram, subscribe to her YouTube channel, and then watch and like the videos on there. For that matter, tell you heard her and her music on Now Hear This Entertainment. And again, while her music is streaming on Spotify, support Grace by purchasing downloads of her music from iTunes. Jacksonville and Tallahassee, Florida, she is coming your way. And the same with you, Austin and Dallas, Texas. Get on gracepettis.com for a full list of shows so you can see where and when you can go see Grace perform live. And again, remember to also check out nobodiesgirlmusic.com to learn more about her trio. Again, don't forget to get on podcastingchallenge.com to reserve your spot for the online course that I'll be putting on starting next Wednesday, June 26th. It's just $18 to learn everything you need to start your own podcast from concept to launch. I will be giving you lots of education and doing a Q&A, and it's all from the comfort of your own home, regardless of where you live. Take advantage of my years of experience. Go to podcastingchallenge.com 
and sign up now. Thanks so much for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from Grace Pettis. This is the one she just talked about. It's called You Are the Cowboy. Setting sun